Pope Francis has quickly established himself among the masses as a very popular religious leader. But at the same time he has generated strong resistance from key Catholic leaders. Much of the controversy he has caused is due to his tendency to make off-the-wall comments that produce widespread confusion. Who is this Pope? Where did he come from? And what is he up to? Stay tuned for an interview with an expert on Catholicism. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end-time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. I have as my special guest on this program a good friend and ministry colleague, Mike Gendron. Mike is the founder and director of a ministry in Dallas, Texas area called Proclaiming the Gospel. Welcome to Christ in Prophecy, Mike. Well, it's good to be here with you, Dave. Well, it's always good to be with you. I enjoy ministering with you all over the nation at uh, various conferences over the years. And I would like for you to tell our folks about your background and uh, why are you considered to be an expert on Catholicism? Well, I always love to share a testimony of God's amazing grace because I grew up a very devout Catholic. I was a Catholic uh, for 37 years and taught high school Catholic Christian doctrine. I was an altar boy for seven years. Later on, I was responsible for bringing the very first Little Rock Scripture study to a Catholic church in the Dallas area. And so during this time, the Lord was revealing Himself to me, but there was a conference I went to in 1981 that uh, convinced me that the Bible was the supreme authority in all matters of faith. So at the f- age of 34, I began reading the Bible for the first time. Was that a Catholic conference? You no, attended? it was an evangelical conference. Uh, I didn't even know who was giving the conference. I'd never heard of them, <laughs> but it was in the Dallas Morning News. And I thought the title of the uh, conference was Evidence for the Christian Faith. And as a Catholic, I had no evidence. I was just told to believe whatever the priest told me. And so here was a man that was going to give evidence for the Christian faith. And so I attended this three-day conference, and I went home opening the Bible for the first time at age 34. And as I read the Bible, I recognized very quickly that what I'd been taught as a Catholic was diametrically opposed to what the Bible was teaching me in regards to salvation. I read that we are saved by grace apart from merit, by faith apart from works. I read that Jesus was my all-sufficient Savior. I needed to repent of all the things I was doing to help save Him, to help Him save me. And um, wow, I mean, it just, uh, through this process of reading the Bible and the Spirit of God illuminating the Scriptures to me, I came to saving faith in the Lord Jesus. You know, uh, uh, Mike, over the years as I have encountered Catholics, uh, my my approach to them has always been start reading your Bible. Amen. And I find that they haven't done that. And when they start reading the Bible, they start saying, hey, well, the Bible says that, and the church says this, and the Bible says that, and the church says this. And they begin to have their eyes opened. It really is an eye opener because ultimately there's nothing more important in this life than figuring out who should I trust for my eternal destiny. Right. And the Bible told me it was Christ alone, that He is able to save me completely and forever. And when you say you were a devout Catholic, you really were. I mean, I really you, you even went to Italy, didn't you? I did. I uh, actually uh, 
co-celebrated with Padre Pio, who has the wounds of Christ. Mm-hmm. He's, of course, dead now. But during the time, I was a young altar boy, yeah. and uh, he had the wounds of Christ in his hands. And I thought, wow, this is a validation that the Catholic Church is the one true church. But then later on, when the Lord saved me, I began reading his autobiography and found out that he was thanking, he was um, sitting at his window as souls from purgatory were on their way to heaven, thanking Padre Pio for suffering on their behalf. Oh my. And I thought, this is not the gospel. Well, uh, tell us a little bit about your uh, your secular background. While, while you're going to Mass every day and doing all this, what are you doing in the secular world? Well, I was very successful in the corporate world. In fact, by the age of 31, I'd really accomplished everything anyone could ever achieve as far as the world's mm-hmm. riches and the um, mansion in a prestigious neighborhood, the 380 SL sports car convertible, the gold Rolex. I mean, I'd, I'd <laughs> done everything. Thing, huh? <laughs> and yet there was something missing, yeah. and I, I didn't know that it had anything to do with my spirituality because I was devout Catholic. Yeah, so you were a business executive, right? I was. In a, in a Fortune 500 company? Right. Yes. And uh, that must have been quite a, a decision to leave that world and, and commit your life to Christ in ministry. Did that uh, shake up your wife? Or what, what happened? I mean, <laughs> Yes, I mean, it really did. She did not marry a seminary student or a missionary. And so it was uh, definitely something that we had to deal with. But she has just become the greatest helpmate now in this ministry. She's also a former Catholic. And so you know, when I, when I sat down and realized that the only two things in this life that are eternal are the Word of God and the souls of men, and I wanted to start investing the rest of my life in the things that mattered, the things that would last for all eternity. So in my case, it was very easy. I wanted to go to seminary and de-indoctrinalize myself from all the error that I've been taught as a Catholic and, and fill it with truth. And so where did you go to seminary? I went to Dallas Theological oh, Seminary. Well, that's a good one. <laughs> it is. And during that last semester, I was introduced to a video of former priests and nuns that were sharing how to be saved. And as I watched that video, I felt compelled to share it with every Roman Catholic I knew. Mm. And so my wife and I invited Roman Catholics over to our home and Within three months, we saw 17 Roman Catholics exchange their religion for a relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. And then in what year did you decide to form the ministry that you have now? Well, I never did set out to form a ministry. <laughs> in 1991 is when we began inviting Catholics over. And what do you do with 17 new babes in Christ? Well, you invite them back over on Wednesday night to help them grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord. And so that was the genesis of the ministry the Lord began And we just stand in awe because he's taken us throughout the world, primarily in countries that are dominated by Roman Catholicism. And it's our joy to equip and encourage the saints to reach out to this huge mission. And how many years have you been at this now? 24 years now. Well, congratulations. Well, it's all the grace of God. We just stand in awe of him. Welcome back to Christ in Prophecy and my interview with Mike Gendron. Mike, I would like to talk specifically with you now about Pope Francis. As I said in the introduction to this particular program, Pope Francis has quickly established himself as a very popular figure among the Catholic masses. And I think that there are several reasons for that. One is is his uh, dismissal of the majestic trappings of the uh, uh, papacy, at least some of them. Uh, and another, I think, was his uh, condemnation of corruption in the uh, Catholic Curia. 
Another would be his promotion of socialism. And another would be his questioning of some of the church's most questionable or at least most unpopular doctrines. Now, on the negative side, he appears to be a loose cannon. And thus, every time he speaks out on an issue, the Vatican calls a press conference very quickly and says, he didn't mean what he said. And they begin to explain away what he said. What in the world is this man up to? Where did he come from? What is his background? Can you give us any kind of insights about him? Well, yes, Dave. He's a very fascinating man. He came out of Argentina, and he is a Jesuit, and many people uh, have studied the Jesuits. First one ever. First one, yes. And a lot of people don't know the background of the Jesuits, but at the Reformation in the 16th century, the Council of Trent was the Counter-Reformation, and they recognized that a lot of Catholics were leaving after studying the Bible. The truth was setting them free, and so the Catholic Church established a Counter-Reformation. Part of it was Ignatius Loyola, who founded the Jesuits. And so the purpose of the Jesuits at that time was to do anything to thwart the Protestant Reformation. Mm -hmm. And so if you look at church history, they took some pretty drastic measures, including part of the Inquisition. So they became the defenders of the church. They really did. And so uh, they tried to thwart the exodus of um, Roman Catholics that Mm -hmm. were leaving because they found the truth in the Bible. And so as a result of that, the Jesuits, their agenda is to unite the whole world under the power and the influence of the papacy. And so you see this new Jesuit pope, the first one ever, he is accelerating the ecumenical movement Ah. like never before. You know, it started in 1965 at Vatican Council II, but Pope uh, Francis made a statement just recently that I want to read to you. He said, there are many people who share our faith in Christ, but belong to other faith confessions or traditions. Throughout history, this has been a cause of conflict and suffering, but now it's possible to work towards reconciliation and full communion. The Pope said we ought to accentuate that which unites us, Jesus, and the richness of his love. So ecumenism is one of his major items on his agenda. It's the major thrust. And his uh, goal is to unite not only all separated brethren, which would be you and I, but also all the religions of the world. He is building bridges. But we need to make sure that people understand we are not united in the love of Christ. We are united in faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. There can be no unity outside of the gospel. And yet there seem to be many evangelicals even who think that there can be. Well, there are. In fact, if you look at the recent months, the Pope is looking for soft spots in the evangelical world in order to build bridges into the evangelical church. And so this Pope has accelerated the ecumenical movement, but we need to recognize that he is teaching a false and fatal gospel. Yes. He is not interested in doctrine. He's interested in people who love Jesus. But a lot of evangelicals don't know that Catholics worship and trust a different Jesus, different from the one that is revealed in the Bible. What do you mean by that when you say a different Jesus? Well, the Roman Catholic Jesus is called down from heaven every day to be offered again as a sin offering by the priest on an altar. It is to appease the wrath of God. Divine justice is served every day on a Catholic altar. This is not the Jesus of Scripture. 
He entered heaven having obtained eternal redemption. He died once for all sin for all time. There are no more offerings for sin. And so we need to point this out to Roman Catholics and point them to the Christ of the Bible. He is sufficient to save them completely and forever. It seems that uh, many in the evangelical world uh, uh, have actually overlooked the differences that brought about the split in the first place as if they were of no consequence and that all these people who died at being burned at the stake or whatever, that there was just a, a ridiculous loss of life because there wasn't that much difference in the first place. But that's not true at all, is it? Dave, it's really heartbreaking to see evangelicals forget what the Reformers died yes. for. They were brutally tortured and burned at the stake because they stood on the sound rock of the Bible. That was their authority for faith. They would not bow their knee to the Pope. And now we see evangelicals going to Pope Francis and they're uh, forgetting what the Reformation was all about, that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, according to Scripture alone, all for the glory of God alone. But this Pope is teaching a gospel of works, a gospel that uh, encourages people to receive sacraments in order to obtain eternal life. Catholics do not have the assurance of eternal life because their work of redemption is carried out every day on a Catholic altar. Well, what I'd like to do now is to read you some quotes from Pope Francis and have you respond to them, and we'll do that in just a moment. Welcome back to my discussion with Mike Gendron about Pope Francis. Mike, I uh, mentioned earlier that uh, Pope Francis has demonstrated an incredible capacity for off-the-wall quotes, which uh, just drives the Vatican crazy, and they are always calling press conferences to clear up the mess after he's made these statements. Here's an example. In May of 2014, he said that if Martians were to land on earth tomorrow, he would be happy to baptize them. The Vatican hurriedly called a press conference and explained that the Pope was simply trying to say that the Catholic Church is in, uh, committed to inclusion of all peoples. Well, you're right. This Pope really does say some things that are out of left field. In fact, oftentimes what he says goes against historic Roman Catholic theology as well as the Bible. <laughs> it's, it's been noted that uh, this Pope has really been good for our ministry because every time he says something bizarre, radio stations call me up and ask me, what did the Pope really mean by that? But it's really interesting, Dave, because Catholics look at this man as infallible, which means he cannot err in matters of faith and morals. And as you said, the Vatican is constantly having to correct what he said. You mentioned about the Martians. He is a very inclusive pope. It goes back to the agenda that all people are in the mercy of God. That was another one of those quotes, which again goes against the book of Hebrews that says God gives mercy to those he wills and hardens those he will. And so this pope is unbiblical and he's un-Roman Catholic and it's really fascinating to see. Well, one of the interesting things to me, I don't have it here in front of me, but I, I have a whole list of quotes from key Catholic leaders in which they have, and bishops we're talking about, have strongly criticized this Pope for some of the things he, the things he said. It's really interesting, but I hope that Roman Catholics will begin to realize that they cannot trust their bishops or their Pope, but they can find assurance in knowing that the Word of God is the supreme authority. Yes. And we need to look through every man's teaching through the lens of Scripture, your teaching and mine, right. the Pope's. And so I would 
We all we all need to be Bereans. Well, we do. Acts seventeen eleven. They yes, test they, every man's and, teaching. And who were they testing? Paul. That's right. <laughs> if they're going to test Paul, they should test me, you, the Pope, and everybody else. But another one of his crazy statements, he said that atheists can follow their conscience into heaven. Yeah, atheists who who do good are redeemed, not just Catholics. That is exact words. Again, there's this inclusive gospel again. This goes against historic Roman Catholic theology. The Bible calls atheists fools. Why? Because they suppress the truth of God and unrighteousness. God has revealed himself, and so these are fools. But the Pope says they'll go to heaven. If atheists can be saved by simply doing good, why should we even bother to preach the gospel? Well, that's a good point. But see, Roman Catholicism is no different from any other religion of works righteousness. Biblical Christianity says Christ did it all. You're saved by grace through faith. But every other religion says you must do things to appease God, including the Pope's Roman Catholicism. Here's another recent quote. The Big Bang Theory does not contradict the role of God as divine creator. That is amazing that he would make a statement like that. At least he got half of it right, right? (laughs) But Jim, you look at the Genesis account. God the Creator spoke everything into existence in six days. That directly is opposed to a Big Bang Theory. Well, he's pretty well indicated that he believes fully in evolution. Several of his statements have indicated this. So, uh, he says, if someone is gay and is searching for the Lord and has goodwill then who am I to judge him? Well, here again, the Pope declares himself to be God's representative on earth. Why doesn't he say that God has already judged homosexuality not only as a sin, but according to Leviticus 18, it's an abomination to God. Mm -hmm. And so the only hope for a homosexual homosexual who's in, in this kind of a sin is to repent and believe the gospel. Therein will he find the power to overcome the homosexuality. But this Pope, unless he identifies them as sinners, then they will continually believe the Pope that this sin is not so serious enough to disqualify them for heaven. Yes, when Paul talks about homosexuality, for example, in the Corinthian letters, uh, one of the things that I think is very uh, encouraging is that he points out that some of those in the Corinthian church had been homosexuals, but they had been washed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ through their faith in, in, in Jesus. And they weren't continuing to practice. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse That's 9. Right. He says, this is what some of you were, but now you've been sanctified, you've been justified, That's you've right. been cleansed with the precious blood of That's Jesus. Right. Yeah. What about this one? Now, this is to me the most off-the-wall statement I've ever read by him. God is not a divine being or a magician. Well, again. He's not a divine <laughs> being? Come on! Mike? <laughs> I mean, really, where's the outrage? Why aren't Roman Catholics saying, okay, this is enough, he's gone too far? Come on! But yeah, clearly God is a divine being, and, and that's our only hope, that God is a supreme divine being who not only created us, but sent us a Savior to save us from our sins, and the only mediator between God and man is the man Christ Jesus. And so, it's outrageous what he's saying, It, but yet... Dave, because of his humility, a false humility, I might say, because he wears the titles of God. He wears the title Holy Father, head of the church. He never died for the church, but he stole that title from Christ. He says he's the vicar of Christ. He also is loved by the world because of his ministry to the poor. Why doesn't he sell the riches of the Vatican and give to the poor if he really is concerned Mm -hmm. about the poor? And so there's a facade here that... 
I think uh, he's deceiving the world. One thing that encouraged me about this pope was the fact that he took on the courier, which is the uh, the central government of the uh, Vatican. And the previous pope, I, uh, all the rumors that I've ever heard indicate that uh, that's one of the reasons he resigned was because of the t- incredible corruption and immorality that exists there. And he just felt overwhelmed by it, incapable of dealing with it, and resigned. Now, this pope called them together and read them the riot act about their immorality, uh, about their corruption. And I wrote you about that, and I said, wow, this is really something to, to have a pope do this. And you wrote me back a very insightful comment. So, tell me what your reaction to this was. Well, it is true that he has not only exposed, but also fired certain cardinals and bishops that have been part of the corruption within the Vatican. And so, this is a good thing that he's done. He's cleaning house. His predecessor, Pope Benedict, was a doctrinal guru. Mm-hmm. He wasn't pastoral. Mm-hmm. Pope Francis is pastoral. And so, he's trying to clean house. Right. And so, he's done a good job in that. He's pro-life. But bottom line, Dave, he is preaching a false and fatal gospel that sends people to hell rather than to heaven. And so, as the Bible tells us, the religious leaders in the Lord's day, they were shutting the gates of heaven to those who wanted to enter. And this Pope needs to know the true gospel because he's responsible for 1.2 billion souls that need to know the truth. And one of the things you said in your response to me that day that, that really got me was you said, well, the, 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 fi- the, the bottom line is that the members of the Vatican Courier not only need to repent, they need to get saved. They, do. they need to get born again because it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that they're going to be able to clean up the mess. That's right. And only God knows the hearts. But when people proclaim that they believe a false gospel, we, we test what they say with the Word of God. And clearly, they are unregenerate and they need to know the Savior. Well, when you, uh, I know you do a lot of, uh, of, of evangelism among uh, Catholics. In fact, I remember one time uh, where a particular group ran a full-page ad in the papers all over the nation. What was that group? Do you remember? Uh, yes, it was the Mary, Pina, Mary Queen of Peace Center. Yes. And you Dallas. actually called the head of that organization? Didn't you actually go to New York and talk with that person? Or? Actually, she came to me. All right, tell yeah, us about she, that well, story. Yeah, I, I called because they were giving daily messages from Mary, the apparitions <laughs> of Mary appearing all over the world. And so I called, and the director came to visit me with the goal of getting me to recognize Mary as a sinless Is mediator. That right? And to she didn't realize she was walking in the lions then? She did not. <laughs> so fact, what happened? She as a came result? with a stack of books, and that was her goal. And so we sat down and we began sharing that video that we shared with many people that left the Catholic Church. And about uh, five minutes into it, I realized I hadn't even prayed yet. And so I just paused for a moment. I said, can I ask the Lord to guide us in truth? And so within a few minutes after the prayer, she recognized that she was the one that was being deceived. And you know what she did? She went back and she gave me the list of everybody whose name had been on the Mary Queen of Peace Center uh, mailing list. We sent out her testimony to everybody that had been following Mary rather than Christ. And it was really a so work you, of God. You, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you were able to convert the very leader of this organization? Well, the Lord converted her. I was just the messenger. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you talk to just the average Catholic, what is the most important thing you focus on? Well, definitely the authority of Scripture. That must be the 
the leading principle when you witness because Catholics have three authorities. They have the Word of God, their sacred tradition, and then the teaching authority yes, of the yes. church, the infallible teaching authority. We need to eliminate the two and have them focus on Scripture alone. Second most important principle, you've got to present Christ in all of his sufficiency. He did everything necessary to save sinners completely and forever. Well, that... Uh that is a wonderful approach, and I just praise God for the anointing He's given you to talk to people, because I know you can do it. <laughs> Amen. Welcome back to our interview of Mike Gendron. Mike, uh, you have written a book called Preparing for Eternity, Should We Trust God's Word or Religious Traditions? Why did you write this book, and what's it all about? Well, I wrote it because of my great compassion for Roman Catholics who are where I was for most of my life, believing I belonged to the one true church and believing I was on my way to heaven. But yet I found out after reading the Bible I was destined for hell. And so it's my desire to see Roman Catholics come to know the true Savior and believe the true gospel. And so this book forces Roman Catholics to make a decision. Am I going to trust Christ in His Word, which is the supreme authority for knowing truth, or am I going to trust religious traditions? And so what I do in this book is I compare Roman Catholic tradition right out of the Catechism of the Catholic Church with Scripture from their Bible. They can see that they cannot believe both. They're forced to make a decision. Christ in His Word or the teachings and traditions of my church. It's one thing I've noticed in my study of world religions uh, that all false religions, all without exception, teach work salvation. They do. You can earn it on your own. It doesn't whether, matter whether it's a, 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 a Hinduism or Islam or Mormonism or whatever. It's you can earn your own salvation. You're so right. Without exception, every religion teaches that. And so when I'm witnessing to a Catholic, this is what I share with them. You have got to come to the cross of Christ with nothing but your sins. You have to leave everything else behind. Everything else you've been trusting in, your own works, your meriting grace, your sacraments, purgatory, indulgences, good works, leave it all behind. Come to Christ with nothing but your sin. He promises to give you His righteousness when you trust Him alone. And one thing I've noticed about uh, Catholics that I've worked with and who have uh, been come to the Lord is that they often find it very difficult to leave the Catholic Church. And what they want to do is they want to go back and share what they have discovered with their priest, with their people. And then after about two or three years they decide, you know, if I'm ever going to grow in the Lord, i got to get someplace else. Well, that's the mark of true conversion when you want to share the truth <laughs> oh, with those yes, who are still absolutely. lost. Because you get so excited. You do. I've often said the two most excited people on planet Earth is a Messianic Jew who has found his Messiah and a Catholic who has discovered grace. That's right. <laughs> Tell people how they can get in touch with you and your ministry. Well, our ministry's website is proclaimingthegospel.org, and you can go there and find a wealth of information, 24 years of research into the Roman Catholic religion, always looking through the lens of Scripture. We've written six different tracts that can reach Roman Catholics. We also have DVDs that they can view. You can share with them. But our primary resource is the book, Preparing for Eternity. You can call us at 972-495-0485. Thank you, Mike. appreciate you being on the program. Folks, that's our program for this week. I hope it's been a blessing to you, and I hope you'll be back with us next week. Until then, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. 
Mike Gendron's book, Preparing for Eternity, provides a detailed comparison between the gospel of Jesus Christ and the doctrines of the Catholic Church. Written by a person who was a devout Catholic for 34 years and who is an expert on both Catholicism and Christian doctrine, this book will clearly demonstrate to you the difference in the biblical concept of salvation by grace through faith and the Catholic concept of salvation by sacraments and good works. The book is 240 pages in length and contains a fascinating 66-page section of answers to questions asked by Catholics. The book can be yours for a donation of $20, including the cost of shipping. To place your order, call the number you see on your screen or order through our website at lamblion.com. If you call, please do so between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday. Lamb and Lion Ministries is a faith ministry, and as such, we depend upon your donations to pay for this television outreach. Please consider partnering with us in our mission of proclaiming the soon return of Jesus to as many people as possible as quickly as possible. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus. 